0: Thank you, Day. Awesome. It's great to be with you guys this morning. Happy New Year, everyone. Merry Christmas. Aaron and I were up in Canada um, over the holidays visiting his family for Christmas. We go up every other year. And I will say, I know you guys had warm weather here, but we did have a white Christmas. It was great. It rained the next day, so it like washed away all the snow. But I did miss having it be warm enough to just, like, send my kids out without having to, like, put snow pants on, snow boots, hats, gloves, like, you name it. Um, it was minus 11 or 12 Celsius with the wind chill, So I don't know what that is, Fahrenheit. Like, maybe, like, 12 degrees Fahrenheit. So it was very cold. And our youngest daughter, Selah, she's almost two. She's, like... I guess she's born and raised here in the South, and so (laughs) she did not want to wear gloves at all, and we were like, okay, she just wanted to suck her thumb, (laughs) because she was like, I'm cold, I need comfort, we're like, okay, you're going to have to learn the hard way, I guess, because you're refusing, and um, after about two days of her, like, realizing how cold it was, she's like, gloves, (laughs) gloves, I'm like, okay, yes, we'll get you warm, but you know, the internal parent guilt, you're like, everyone's probably like, what a horrible parent she is, she won't even put gloves on her kids. Sometimes they got to learn natural consequences, right? You know? Oh, man. Um, Well, we're really sad we missed the the Christmas Eve service and the family service. And then um, for those that tuned in online to our Christmas Spectacular, didn't Day and Quest just do amazing? Like they were amazing. I was like, and the Oscar goes too. (laughs) So good. Um, And our worship team did amazing. Listening back to myself, I was like, dang, I'm pregnant. I am out of breath, like, the entire time. I'm like, girl, catch your breath. Um, If you didn't know, I'm pregnant. I'm 20 weeks pregnant with our baby boy. We are having, we're going to have two boys and two girls. So this is like Aaron's dream family, just wrapped up. (laughs) Well, um, I am kicking off our sermon series today, 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting, and it's called Seek First. Um, last month we did our legacy series and that was personally, that was amazing for me of just thinking beyond myself and what that looks like and leaving behind a, a legacy for my, my kids and my children's children. And then also just in the, the people that I touch and the ways that I, you know, preach the gospel to the people around me and how like, that's the greatest legacy that we can leave, um. And so thank you to everyone that sewed into our legacy offering this year. We're we're just so blessed. You guys are our amazing church family, so generous and just so thankful. So Seek First. Today I'm going to be diving in on what it means and what it looks like to seek God first in everything that we do. And 21 days of prayer and fasting. I've been thinking a lot about this leading up to it. And maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Maybe today is the first time you're hearing of this. But... It's a time for us as a church body, as a church family, to be intentional in our life throughout the week, to be intentional in how we position our hearts, position our hearts toward communing with the Lord through prayer. And maybe even God is calling you to fast something over these next 21 days. I personally am going to be fasting social media and, um, like, coffee drinks, my sweet, my sweet coffee drinks, um, things that I'm realizing I am a little dependent on and I need to be more hungry for God and I need to be dependent on him. And so I realized that like, I would wake up in the morning and the first thing I would just like lay in bed and like check my phone and go on social media or something. I would have like a notification or a message and I would go on, um, and I would, like, go to bed, and Aaron and I would, like, be on our phones, and then we'd be like, all right, good night. And so we also are doing no phones after 9. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. So as, as I'm preaching and as you start to think about this, if you want to join in with us, we're going to be doing prayer and fasting, 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church body. What we have um, for every one of us is a on social media, and then next week, too, you'll get, like, your own handout booklet Um, and there's a daily devotional every single day that we'll be posting that you'll have in your booklet um, to just read through and go and, like, scripture on prayer and verses, and then also we're going to be doing um, devotional videos that we'll be posting online as well that you can follow along, and then we're going to be having—we'll post a calendar as well with different corporate prayer moments— throughout um, the week that you can actually come here to the building um, and join in doing prayer together, prayer and worship. And then at the end of our series, we're going to have um, a big worship night. So it's going to be great, it's going to be awesome, and I challenge each and every one of us. I know that makes us feel a little uncomfortable. You're like fasting,, ugh. Um, maybe God's like calling you to an actual fast, or maybe it's something that you feel like is taking up a lot of space in your heart and your life and God's like pinging at it right now and you're like no no um that's when we should say yes to him um little short quick story on that when I was um after I graduated high school I went and lived for six months in Mozambique in Pemba Mozambique and I um I did the harvest school with Iris Ministries with Heidi and Roland Baker and then I also like for three months was a short-term missionary there and I taught swim lessons to all the the kids on the on our base there was like a hundred and No, 180 kids, yeah. Taught them all swim lessons in the Indian Ocean. (laughs) Tried to learn Portuguese, like kick, arms, (laughs) you know, the basics. Um, And when I was there, my friend who was my roommate, she came from more of um, a house of prayer background, and so she had like done different fasts throughout her life, and I was like, I would fast on Wednesdays in high school, and I would go to the library, and I would pray and fast. Um, but that was about it, and she's like, she's like, I feel like God is calling me to a three-day fast. Would you like to join me? It's like, three days? She's like, just no food, <laughs> only only water. I was like, uh, okay, I'll pray about it. So I prayed about it. I was like, all right, I can do three days, you know? <laughs> In the hot sun, 113 degree weather, walking up and down the beach, like five miles a day, teaching swim lessons. All right, okay, God, you have to sustain me. Three days. Well, halfway through the three days, she's like, I feel like God's calling me to a seven-day fast. <laughs> Would you like to join me? I'm like, seven days? Okay, well, it's not been so bad. All right, let me pray about it. Because you should pray first and ask if God is actually calling you to that. And then, literally, this girl, she's like, okay, I'm going to do a 21-day fast. You do not have to do it. And I was like, uh, 21 days? Absolutely not. Um, and... <laughs> I was like, okay, I said to God, I was like, if it ends, by the time our school starts, I will do it. Because I don't want to be like all these students coming in, and I'm just fasting. I'm not at dinner. I'm not at lunch. I'm not like hanging out with people. I don't want that. So I look at my calendar. Of course, the day I break my fast is the day of school, like the first day of school. So I'm like, all right. I'm not kidding. There's never been a grace since. But the grace was there in that moment where God called, like, called me to that. And one of the the prayers and cries in my heart was, God, I've I've never seen like your face like physically. Like I've never had an open vision. I've just like closed my eyes, you know, picture something. Like I'm hungering and desiring to actually have like this face-to-face encounter with you. So I was praying for that, for like visions and dreams and whatever. So our first day that I broke fast, um, I went to the night class that night, and in the ministry time, I literally was taken into a vision for two hours, like an open heaven vision, and it's, some, it's a vision where I saw Jesus like face to face, and there was lots of things that happened in that. That's another sermon for another day, but I, I felt like I was there for like 10 minutes, and my friends were like, I woke up, and no one was in the building. Like, it was just, like, me. And my hair was, like, tangled in a microphone stand. I was like, what has happened to me? Um, but I had an empowerful, powerful encounter. So, honestly, I was spending, you know, several hours a day with my friend just in prayer, in worship with the Lord. And it was one of the most powerful times of my life. Now I'm a mom. I could not do that. I could not fast for that long. I could not um, pray for hours a day. But maybe God's calling you to something. And I just want to. I didn't share the story in first service, but I just felt like if you feel a tugging on your heart for something, just go for it. All right, so we live in a Western society, right? Oh, before I finish that, apologize for the lighting today. It's some things happen and glitch, so I'm just I have to stay like here. But we call them like the sound demons that come out on a Sunday morning. So like today, the lighting demons are out. So just like if you see the flashing, just you know rebuke it. It's a joke, guys. I'm joking. Okay. Um, So we live in a Western society that I, in my kind of opinion, I think promotes, endorses, enables, perpetuates a sense of busyness, a sense of accomplishment, of doing, of going, of being, being, being. If you're not, like if you're relaxing and resting, sometimes it's easy to be like, "Uh, I need to check my email. I need to, oh, someone's texting me. Do they need me? I can't put my phone on airplane mode. Like, someone needs me at all times. When I moved here from Canada, I was in high school, and I felt like I was so far behind because it felt like everyone had been, like, grooming their resume from, like, kindergarten. They're like, I've been a member of this club and this, and my parents put me in this, and I'm like, what the heck? I was, like, tobogganing down the hill. (laughs) Like, no, um, in Canada, it's just different. You kind of focus more on, like, preparing for university in your last, like, two years of high school, whereas here it was like eighth grade. (laughs) They're like ready to go. They're like SAT prep, whatever. I was like, what are the SATs? Um, So I felt like I was constantly striving to get the good grades to catch up so I could get into university. I did, I went to UNC Chapel Hill. Tar? Come on, where's my Fulton family over there? There you go. Um, And (laughs) I went there and I loved it, it was amazing. But again, I'm like, I'm in class and they're like, every other person was like valedictorian of their school (laughs) i'm like what the heck and um and they're all so smart and i'm like okay i guess i'm here like i must be kind of smart too but not on that level (laughs) and so you're striving again and you're trying to get good grades and people are trying to get into grad school and med school and law school and then it's like once you get there you got to climb up the corporate ladder right there's promotions and you got to do your overtime and so your boss sees and promotes you to partner And it's just like a nonstop kind of the rat race of life that I feel like sometimes we can get caught up in. And this busyness, it's like it's a war on our time and it's a war on our hearts. And our hearts can become divided in that. And our focus begins to switch from, okay, what? First and foremost, I'm called to seek God to love him, to love his face, to seek after him in his presence. And then I'm also called to desire what his plans are for my life and to ask him and seek him for that. And yet somehow I'm getting caught up in this busyness of life and I'm forgetting what the main thing and the main purpose of this is because one day we're all going to die. I had to break that to my son, like yesterday, <laughs> it's like, we're all going to die, he's like, oh, we are? He's like, I'm not going to die. I'm like, no, you're going to live forever with God. But you will die. Um, death is a hard concept for kids. I'm like, God, give me wisdom. And God, he's not, he's not looking for our New Year's resolutions. He's not looking at our goals. He's not looking at our planner and our stickers and all of that. He's, one day we're not going to get to heaven and he's going to be like, I wish you had a cleaner house. I wish you got partner by the time you were 30. And sometimes it's like the things that we think are so important actually are not that important. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Psalms 27. This is a psalm of David. And David, all throughout the psalms, we see David just praising God, worshiping him, delighting in him. And in this psalm, Psalm 24, 27, verse 4, it says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. He says this one thing, this one thing I ask. He could have gone to God and asked, God, make me more wise. God, give me these kingdoms. Give me these people. Make me more rich, God. He could have asked for anything and yet he's saying, this one thing that I ask of you, God, is that I will seek your face in your temple and I will gaze upon your beauty all the days of my life. Because the most important thing to David was worship. First and foremost, you know, we know he was a shepherd. We know he was a king. He was a builder. He was a warrior. But above all else, he was a worshiper. When I think about David, I think of that. He was a man after God's own heart. And we see that, right, when he's in the fields and he's being faithful with the little and what God has given him as a shepherd boy. And what is he doing? He's, he's worshiping God. He's praising God. And a lot of people think, um, theologians think, that a lot of the Psalms were actually written during that time where it was just him and God. And he's desiring to seek the face of God. God isn't looking for our accomplishments. He's looking for our hearts above all else. And as we, do, as we do this series together as a church, 21 days of seeking God, seeking the face of God, it's like our accomplishments are good. Hear me when I say that. I'm not saying don't have any goals in life, don't have accomplishments, don't succeed. No, those things are good. But the main thing of our hearts should be God and then everything else will come after. That is our purpose. That is our, our, if we could do anything in life, and it was just like seeking God's face, we would live a successful life. But God also has more for us. But first and foremost, he is the one that we should desire. He's the one thing that we should seek. And in the Old Covenant, the dwelling place of God was that temple. It was the Holy of Holies, right? In that tent where... The Levite priests, the high priests, were the only ones that could go into that tent. I shared that last week in my Emmanuel message. But that was the, that was the place where God dwelt. And he, his presence was so strong, he was so powerful that the priests could die in the presence of God. And many of them did. And then Solomon built an actual temple, a dwelling place for God. And this was where the Israelites would see, oh, this is where God dwells. It would be like us having to come to to literally this building to be in the presence of God. But the presence of God, the dwelling place of God, is no longer a zip code. It's no longer a location. It's not one spot. The presence of God is now through Jesus, through the cross, through the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And him saying to his disciples, it's actually better that I go... Because if I don't, the Holy Spirit will not be with you. He left us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God that is among us, around us, within us. And 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? It's not a location anymore. We are the dwelling place of God. We are a temple of the Lord. We are a, a place where he wants to dwell. He wants to abide in us. He wants to be with us. We don't have to go somewhere to be with him. He's always with us. And when we begin to start having that revelation that I am a dwelling place of God, I feel like our lives should be, look different, be different. Imagine now, it's 8 a.m., I walk into my lecture, my chemistry lecture, and I'm like, I'm a dwelling place of God. God dwells in me. I walk into that business meeting. I'm a dwelling place of God. I'm a temple of the Lord. I'm changing my kids diaper. I'm feeding them at two in the morning. I'm a dwelling place of God. God dwells in me. God lives in me. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5, it says, As you come to him, the living stone, talking about Jesus being the cornerstone, the foundation, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are living stones that he is literally building into his temple. And raise your hand if you have a guest room. Aaron, like, hates the concept of guest rooms. He's like, it should be a Murphy bedroom. It should be, like, multi-purpose. We only have guests, like, two times a year. I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. Um, And so (laughs) when we had our, we're finishing our basement right now. We're like, the drywall's gone up. It's chaos. My basement's in my bedroom and my garage. It's okay. It's okay, all the stuff. Um, But we... Our guest room, when we had our daughter, we have four rooms. When we had our daughter, we were like, okay, we want all the kids to have their own room because we have really young kids. So we're going to just, if a guest comes over, like take down the crib. It's so easy. Move up the bed. Like we bought just like a platform thing and like put a mattress on there. The guest room is ready. But when I think about my home, like me, if I am a dwelling place, I am a temple, I want this home this dwelling place, to be ready for Jesus to come in. And sometimes we have to do some spring cleaning, some like Marie Kondo that just get rid of everything, get rid of all the stuff, all the junk, all the clutter, all the noise, remove it all so that it can be a dwelling place for God, so that Jesus can actually make his home in our hearts because if our house is too full, there's not room for him. And so part of this 21 days of prayer and fasting is that. It's saying I need to remove the things that are cluttering my heart and my spirit and my life so that I can make room for him to come and abide in me. And so if I am hovering over that Instagram and I'm on there all the time, I, it's taking away my, my mind, my like being present, being able to hear him in those quiet moments because I'm not leaving room for quietness in my life. (coughs) Excuse me. So there might be other things for you guys that are cluttering up your hearts. Thank you. And it's hard to give those things up. But I promise you when we make room for him, he comes and he dwells and he makes his home in our hearts and he speaks to us because he is a good shepherd and in those quiet still moments when we are seeking him he begins to impart his wisdom his revelation his love his kind like his peace and all the other things just kind of become background noise or they fade away when we make him the one thing that we seek When I, um, let me just take a swip. All right. When I was almost 23, 22, I had my first child. So I was very young. And I really truly felt like I had like lost myself. Um, Most of my friends who were my age were, they weren't even like dating. They didn't even have a grid for marriage, let alone a baby. And then most of my friends who were, Having kids around the same age, we're older, and I just felt like I kind of didn't fit anywhere, and nothing will prepare you for the sleep deprivation of children. And I, when I had my son Jude, I labored for 30 hours through two whole nights of being up, like first contraction, one in the morning, the first night, and then all through that night, all through the day, all through the other night, and then he was born at 7 a.m. the following morning. And um, I feel blessed. I've thankfully been able to labor and deliver naturally with all of my kids. no medication. Aaron loves <laughs> the first service. he's like, "This is for you and I only to know, but you're just joking, right? Okay. He loves birth, guys. Like he's like, in another life, if I wasn't a pastor, I'd be a midwife. <laughs> um, he caught our babies. He's like, down there. he's like, he loves it. Um, and I love that. He loves it. I wanted a doula for my first birth, and so we were going to have Joanne, who she used to be our, like, prayer ministry pastor, and um, she met with us, and she's like, I love you guys. I would love to do that, but I feel like, I feel like you can do it. I feel like Aaron is your coach. Like, he's got it, and at first, I was like, okay, (laughs) but really, truly, he was amazing, so I'm just bragging on you, babe. Number four coming. You know what you got to do, and so, and he would tell people, he's like, no, I'm her doula. Um, (laughs) I'm her birth coach, breathe. (laughs) I had like horrible back labor. So he would literally, he's a big like rugby guy. He was like pushing with all his might on my lower back. Um, and it made a dent in the pain. It was good. (laughs) Um, anyways, all that to say, I was really tired. And when the baby came, people were like, the baby's so tired from birth, they'll sleep all day. (laughs) i like, what kind of kid? I've heard rumors of these children. I do not have them. Um, <laughs> every 30 minutes, my son, Jude, he's like waking up in the night. I would like sleep sitting up with he- him like on my chest. And then he'd like cry, and I'm like, oh gosh. Um, and he just, like, your first time mom, you don't know anything, really. Like, I read so many books, prepared myself, and then it came, and I was like, I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm so tired. Like, everything hurts. I just can't do this. What have I done? And my dad came over one night, and parents have, like, such a gentle way of, like, giving you advice, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll try that, I'll try. And um, everything he said to us that day, like, changed our lives with kids and, like, their routine and stuff. But um, he he said to me, I was crying to him, and I'm like, Dad, I feel like I don't even have time for myself, let alone, like, God. (laughs) Like, I know that sounds selfish, but really, truly, like... All my down moments, I'm napping because I'm getting like three hours of sleep a night and it's like broken up. Like it's not even consecutive and I'm exhausted. And I felt so guilty that how am I going to juggle like this new life? And obviously, I know kids don't stay a newborn forever. Come on. But there was also that level of like, how am I going to do this? Um, How do I spend time with the Lord when I feel like I'm losing myself? And he said to me, he said, Jess, Find God when you look in Jude's face. Find him when you look outside and you look up at the trees. Find him when you're changing his diaper. Whatever you're doing, find God. Because he's there. And that, like, that, in that moment, in that season I was in, it liberated me. It set me free. And it made me realize that God is in, God is everywhere. That I don't have to go far to find him. Like, he's right here. And I just have to tune my heart to finding him in those moments. And when you don't have time to be spending hours in the word of God and praying, you actually begin to find him in those small moments. And I just want to encourage, if you're in in such a busy season, there's so much grace. But there's also an invitation too for us, if we're not in that season, to go deeper with him and find him even further find him in the scripture, find him in spending time with him and worshiping with him. I've been reading my Bible, like, front to back for the last couple years, just finished my plan, starting on the next one the next day, and I feel like I've grown so much in my depth, in my revelation, in understanding the heart of God, and there's so much more, obviously, a lifetime to go. But I encourage each and every one of us, like, if you do a plan, it's like 10, 10 minutes a day. And then if you want to go further, you can. That's so doable. I used to say, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm like, I'm not busy to like scroll at Instagram for 45 minutes or whatever. It's just where my priority is. But if I'm prioritizing God and, and I'm like David, I'm saying this one thing I seek, then it's easy. It's not striving. It's not hard because I just crave to be with him. And that, in that season for me, it just, it, it changed me. And I was like, okay, and now in everything I do, I need to do that. I'm with my kids in the car, and it's so cute because I've been trying to teach them, like, in the little moments, like, finding God. And so one of the things is, like, every time we see a sunset. And so now the kids are always like, oh, mom, 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 look at the sunset that Jesus made for us. And I'm like, and it re- stops me and reminds me, oh, yeah. That's like a a little thing, like God made that for us. My kids are even reminding me of that, of the small moments where I can find God and seek God in my daily life. There's this story, um, Jen Johnson from Bethel, she shares about how she was in the car um, with her father-in-law, Bill Johnson. She had just finished a worship set, or no, she was about to go into a worship set, and she had just been with the kids and it was crazy. And I remember those seasons, too, when they're super young, and you're about to preach, and you've just, like, the kids have had a screaming match or whatever, and you get there, and you're like, oh, my gosh. And she said, she turned to him after she got in the car, and she's like, mom hat off, worship hat on. And he looked at her, and he said, the problem is, you should never have taken your worship hat off. Dang. (laughs) Roasted. Um... (laughs) Everything we do when we're seeking God, our lives should be worship. That temple, our temple should be clean and ready and pleasing for him to come in. And that is a challenge to myself, too. Of Am I making room in this dwelling place for God? What are some of the things that can distract me from seeking God first? Well, worry and anxiety, Right? Marie says, uh, "Worry is robbing yourself today of something that may not happen tomorrow. And sometimes those things, those thoughts, they consume us, and that's what we focus on rather than focusing on Jesus and tr- and our trust in Him. Busyness, busying myself, I never have a spare moment because I'm just I have too much pain. I need to busy myself so I don't have moments to think about it." School and work, like giving, choosing to do the overtime, choosing to put in the extra hours. I used to joke to my parents, I'm like, can I just tell my teacher that I don't want to do homework because it's against my religion because I need to have more time with God. They're like, no, it's not how it works. (laughs) But obviously those things are part of life, but it's when we choose to continue doing those instead of stopping for a few moments. Good morning, Holy Spirit. The opinions of others, listening to the voice of what other people think rather than listening and seeking first the voice of God. And what does he have to say about this? Where does he want me to actually go? What does he want me to do? Who does he want me to reach? What is he saying to me at this moment? Not what the world is saying, not what the social media clutter and craziness is and the opinions of others. And then also, I feel like complacency stops me from seeking God because we can be in those seasons where we're like okay we've got it figured out I love God, come to church go to my connect group life's good but I actually haven't taken time to really talk to him in a while maybe even read that bible in a couple of years and complacency stops us from seeking him Matthew 6 33 it it encourages us to seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. And before in that chapter, Jesus shares with us the Lord's prayer and how to pray. And this is like that famous sermon on the mountain. Jesus is, he's saying like, these things you see here are not eternal, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first God, seek first his righteousness. And all everything else will come. But seek first him. Seek first his kingdom. And so we seek first God when we thank him. When we practice that gratitude. I know I shared that sermon a couple weeks ago. Or a month, couple months ago, I guess. When we thank him. When we trust in him. When we rely on him. When, when we go to him for our comfort and not turn to things we shouldn't look at. Or turn to substances to fill a void, to comfort us. But when we seek first him for our comfort, for our trust, trusting that he's going to turn all things together for our good, trusting that his promises are yes and amen in him, trusting that he's a good God and has a plan for my life, even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't even feel God. Like you might even be in a dry place where you're like, I feel like I can't even feel God, I can't even hear God. But faith turns our hearts towards him even when we don't feel it because we know the truth and we declare the truth. And then seeking him in our prayer and our worship and just our time, giving that to him. And so these 21 days of prayer and fasting, prayer, communing with him, worshiping him, speaking with him, listening to what he has to say, And then fasting, fasting, what it does is it takes away that stuff that we rely on and it actually causes us to hunger after God instead. Fasting is to increase our hunger and our appetite for God and for the things of God. And it breaks us in a way, right? It's uncomfortable to fast food for 21 days. It's uncomfortable to fast sugar, to fast coffee, to fast that social media, it's uncomfortable. But our our dependence turns from that to God and to him and him alone. And so there's, even with fasting, I I felt like there was more to that of like, okay, I need to feed my appetite too. So um, obviously continuing reading my Bible and then taking time to pray like out loud for several minutes a day. Um, our phones, like I said, phones on, did I say this in first or this one? But phones down at 9 p.m. so that we can spend time together and I can actually read that book I've been wanting to read or whatever. Um, reading a leadership book this month, whatever it is, like asking God, okay, I'm taking things away, but what else can I add that's gonna be fruitful, that's gonna be helpful in my growth, in my, my spiritual walk? So why don't we stand together As I end, I I felt like it was important for us to take some time to just repent to the Lord for any way we've allowed things to kind of creep in, whether that be our jobs, our school, actual things, things that have taken us away from seeking first God, seeking first His face and His presence. So, if you want, you can close your eyes. You can look at Jesus with your eyes closed and just take a moment to think about the things that have kind of creeped in, that have taken our time or consumed our time. And you can pray this with me, but Lord, I'm sorry for any way. I've let this creep in, you can say what that is. I'm sorry for not making you first and foremost in my life. Would you forgive me? Thank you that you washed me clean. And would you come and take your place in my heart, Jesus? Would you come and take first place? Would you be my due north? Would you recalibrate my heart and my compass to you? That you are the first thing that I desire, Lord. Above all else, you are the first thing. Even when my life is chaos, God, I choose to seek you. Even when I don't understand and I'm deep in grief, God, I choose to seek you. And in those joyful moments too, Lord, I choose to thank you. choose to seek you. Jesus. Now I want us just to ask if if you want to participate with us as a church family in those 21 days of prayer and fasting starting today. Why don't you just ask God, what is something that I need to lay down over these next three weeks? What do I need to give up to Help my heart find you. And for each of us, it's going to look different in ways that we seek Him first. This. These next couple weeks, but I want it to be more than just a three-week sermon series. <laughs> I hope that it's something that goes down deep in our hearts and we choose to desire this every day of our life. Yeah, Lord, we just choose today to press into you one of the prayers that Aaron and I used to have when we were younger was, God, make us want to want you more. Like, even when we don't hunger that, make us want to want you more, God. That's an okay prayer to pray. God, make me hungry for you. Make me thirsty for you, for your presence, God, that it wouldn't be a chore to to spend time with you, but it would be a joy. It would be the greatest joy of my life ministering to you. Would you Help that revelation go deeper in my spirit that I am your dwelling place, God, that you reside in me. Would that revelation go deep in my heart? Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna officially close the meeting, but we're gonna have our ministry team and our freedom team up here at the front. And if you need prayer for anything, if you need physical healing, If you just need someone to talk to, please feel free to come up here to the front and be prayed with. If you want to chat more, but let's just go for it over these next couple weeks. So be on the lookout online for all of your material.